Welcome to the In the Bag podcast. I'm your host from a balmy Houston, Texas, Jonathan Slaughter. And with me, as always, is Jazzy, James Haldeman. How you doing, buddy? Doing well. It is uh, incredibly windy here today. Probably will be for the next couple days, like power outage, wind advisory sort of alert. So if uh, if my power goes out in the middle of this, you know you know what happened. What is <laughs> does balmy mean? Humid? Is my understanding yeah. of that correctly? Okay, okay. I yeah. I can never live in Houston. It's like uh, I'd have to look it up, but it, it's probably like sixty degrees right now. But it's like like I don't know. It's like foggy but it's like wet fog <laughs> well yeah that i'm used to wet fog i'm used to it's like that yeah but it's probably just warmer than what you're used to okay okay that makes sense so uh so yeah but it's uh but it's all good um last weekend definitely not as successful as the prior weekend however uh last weekend was pretty uh pretty interesting there it was you know, what's good about all these golf tournaments is that they're all pretty, uh, everyone, it seems like no one's running away with them. So we always have drama near the end. Um, so that, that always makes it for a fun watch. I, I honestly did not watch a lot of this tournament. Uh, I don't know how much you got to watch, but um, I did see Kev, the Kevin Na highlights. Kevin Na highlights always make me laugh. And so... <laughs> well, the best <laughs> part is... On top of the highlights, Kevin now wears a shirt that on the back of it is him walking in putts, which is is great. I hope more like golfers have this signature thing that they do and and use it to like sell retail merch. Well, I, that's probably not. Maybe that's a retail shirt. I don't know, but yeah, that's that's super super good from stuff from Kevin Na. Um, and, and you know we kind of, we just saw him, you know, win a tournament. He didn't look like he was any in any way going to win it up until like 13. He had a great uh, save after he missed a. He had a great uh, save from the rough after he missed a fairway. Hit a shot to about 10 feet, made a putt, gave a little fist pump, and said something to his caddy. And I felt like at that moment he was probably going to win the golf tournament because it didn't look like Brendan Steele wanted to win it. I think he like grinded his way to a par, or grinded his way to a birdie on nine or 10 or something like that. And he looked at his caddy and said, this is hard today. And I, you know, unless, but it didn't really feel like anybody wanted to win the tournament. I watched quite a bit of it on Sunday. And so I thought that was, that was just really interesting. You know, Kevin Nall made a big birdie on the, on the par five, 18th to, to seal the tournament. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I love the drama. It's been a lot of fun to watch these tournaments because they've been so close coming down to the wire. We don't, we haven't had any like four or five stroke victories recently. So it's, it's been a blast to watch. The one thing I will say, I'm not a huge fan of like these big birdie fest uh, tournaments, but the one thing I do like about it is that you actually do have to play like four rounds of good golf, and I guess maybe it's just kind of more noticeable. Um, you know, I feel like uh, at like the you know the, the the players or something, not the players. The U.S. Open is like obviously vastly different, but I feel like one good round can like win you the tournament because you can just kind of hold on if that round is just vastly better than everyone else's round right it's possible whatever the course is so hard um but you know at these tournaments like everyone that was in the top 10 except for Brennan still shot a 66 or better yeah like, and then you on, had, like, on, on, on the final day yeah and then like 
It's weird to say it, but uh, Morikawa and Webb Simpson almost like played themselves out of the tournament on Saturday, I think, by not going out and shooting a big number when Steele and Kevin Na went out and shot 61. So you kind of have to, I mean, to to win tournaments where you're, you know, going to have to shoot minus 20, and we'll talk about it a little bit. The Amex, you might have to shoot minus 26, which is just absurd. Uh you know, you, you're you're averaging over four days, basically five to seven under every day, and and to not have to have a day where you know where you only shoot two under, that means you have to make it up by going eight nine under another day, and so you know, I I, I tend to agree these birdie fests aren't the most uh, incredibly fun thing to watch, but you know, I I think the the course play still played well. Uh, you know, I, I think it makes, you know, we saw, we saw quite a few guys, um, hitting iron off of the, the 18th tee, which is a par five. And so it, the way the course is designed with the dog legs and if wind isn't at their back, you know, they have to lay up shorter in certain holes. And so, so, it, you know, there's strategy that goes into this course. It isn't just a bomb and gouge fest when the guys shoot 21 under at, uh, uh, the Sony open. <laughs> exactly. Um, for my for my club ups, um, I have a few very specific ones that for particularly for I like this weekend. Uh, Seb Straka stood out to me, uh, gaining a stroke per round on approach, and also not that he's like an unreliable putter, but he shot a little bit above average. So uh, so that's good. Uh, I think that can he's perhaps building some of that momentum because Seb Straka was. Uh, you know, he was playing very solid golf at the end of last year. Didn't he made he made like seven or eight straight cuts, I wanna say. He Plus never that, never yeah. was never was in the top ten, but he definitely was playing solid golf. So it seems like that is continuing. Um then we have uh <laughs> uh you know, we, we we could talk about Kevin Na. I mean, you know, it's funny that Kevin Na is so random. It's like there's no and there's no way to understand whether he's going to play well or not. And he just pops in these tournaments. And, you know, last week was no exception. So, I, you know, I don't know what to make of what he's going to do carry forward, but, you know, he gains strokes across the board. And basically, if he's going to gain, you know, being a top five in approach on for the tournament, he's going to have an opportunity to win. And he has shown the ability to do that, you know, or he's done that, what, twice, twice in the last, seven months or something like that. So, um, you know, that, that in itself is impressive. Uh, the last guy I'll, I'll go to who's in this, who's in the tournament and maybe sort of a sleeper pick, uh, would be Robbie Shelton, who also, uh, gained strokes across the board, except for putting. He was a little below average, but if you're gaining 1.25 strokes per round total and 1.56 from T to green, you're going to do pretty well in a lot of tournaments. And, um, he may be someone that I look at as, as a sleeper option. Yeah, I think that's those. Those are all solid choices. Um, I'll I'll echo your your sentiments on Sepp Straka. I think, yeah, he's just he's he's kind of like Adam Shank was with a little bit higher upside right now. He's a a cut machine. He actually does have one top ten finish. He had a fifth, I think it was at Tex in Texas at the yeah at the mm. Houston Open. So he does have one you know kind of spiky finish. 
uh, under his belt, and he's coming to a course where he finished fourth last year. So I, I like Straka, how Straka's game looks right looks right now, uh, and I also like the the course fit some some air of of comfort there. I'll I'll give Patrick Cantlay uh, a nod here. You know he he won at the Zozo, finished seventeenth at the Masters, thirteenth at the Tournament of Champions, has a top ten finish here two years ago, and. We both saw a stat uh, come across from from Rick Rengood's uh, Twitter account over the weekend that in his last 31 starts, he only has one miscut and two wins. So I think right now Patrick Cantlay's game is in a really comfortable place. Um, he's a guy that takes advantage of, of par fives. He's great off the tee, and I, I think he just really fits the course this weekend. And then the uh, last guy, well, I guess there are two more guys, One one less for a specific playing reason even though he did play well last week but i'll give chris kirk a shout out he really deserves one he had a tournament left to secure enough fedex points to maintain his medical exemption on the pga tour and you know played like he was what average strokes gained off the tee but just obliterated the course everywhere else so uh he was phenomenal last week and it's actually off a string of pretty good golf he hasn't finished outside the top 50 in his last four tournaments and then he had his you know second place and a, a t18 uh, at the RSM, so playing really well. And then the other guy that's been playing absurdly well recently, uh, given his you know form over the past couple seasons, is Patton Kazire. He's kind of had a resurgence in his game. He's got a 11th at Houston, 10th RSM, uh, 32nd at Mayakoba, and 7th last week at the Sony. Uh, hasn't really been great off the tee, but his approach game and putting have been absolutely phenomenal. So uh, Patton Kazire rounds out my, my tr- uh, guys trending upward right now. Yeah, uh, he definitely has uh, shown some ability lately. Um, For the club down section, um, I'll let you talk about Keegan since you were the one that brought up that stat. Um, You know, Doug Gim was pretty disappointing, uh, losing, you know, the fifth or sixth most strokes on approach last weekend. That's pretty unusual. Um, I felt the same way about Taylor Gooch. He's usually pretty reliable with his irons. those two guys kind of stood out to me. And then uh, Sungjae, I don't know what to make about him. He seems to oscillate between tournament to tournament about uh, how good he is or isn't. And um, uh, I'm just I'm just not not sure what I uh, where his game is at. It, it seems like when we think he's going to start turning upward, he takes two steps back. Yeah, I, I, I don't know what to make of Sungjae right now. You know, he played, obviously, phenomenal at the Masters, then missed the cut at the RSM, phenomenal tournament of champions. Oh, I mean, he didn't miss the cut at Sony, but he might as well have. He didn't didn't have much game at all there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess Sungjae is just trending. I don't know what the trend is, though. There's no, like, there's no, like, no way to read it and make any sense of it right now. But, yeah, you mentioned Keegan. He... Uh, missed the cut, le- gaining over six strokes ball striking, which is just absolutely absurd. You, I think he led the tournament in in strokes gained ball striking at the at the time, and still missed the cut. Which, if that's not enough reason to never play Keegan Bradley, I mean, you can try and guess the week that he's his putter gets hot, but most likely you're not going to be able to do it. Uh, the other guy I'll mention here, and it's it's more because I thought the course fit him so well. And his price coming into this week, and, and maybe it's right to play him this week. We'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more. But is is Abe answer missing the cut last week? It's just just bizarre to me. I, I mean that that's just 
that's an an answer track and it, it just is was was very weird to me that he missed the cut so i don't know if something was going on or if you know this game was just a little bit off or whatever but but a band i'll put a answer on this list as well yep uh that uh he definitely did disappoint me and that's a great call on his part um so this week we have uh typically it's a uh it's the american express there's usually it's usually a pro-am it's usually three different uh rounds and then uh three different courses and it's a 54 cold cut and then they play the last round at pga west again uh this week it'll be pga west um, and it's not La Quinta. I forget the, what the, the other... The Nicholas course. The Nicholas course. And then they will play PGA West for the final two rounds post-cut. So it's a normal, basically a normal weekend, except for they'll have two different courses for the first two days. So uh, with that said, what type of golfers are we looking for, and how? what type of course is this? You mentioned they'll t- minus 2,600 won it, so we're expecting a lot of birdies here. Yeah, this is a, a short par 72, and specifically on the Nicholas course where you know guys will get one round. All of the par 5s, well, both of these are, are par 72s that measure under 7,200 yards, which is pretty short for, for par 72s you know, on the PGA Tour. And then like the Nicholas course, all par, four, par 5s measure under 550 yards, which makes them absolutely gettable for anybody in the field. So... Yeah, this tournament tends to turn into a birdie fest since 2014. The worst winning score was minus 20. And I that's like, that was probably awful. An awful week for these guys. Um, so I, I expect for it to, to turn into a birdie fest again. Not a lot of bunkers. Um, not a lot of square footage of bunkers. The greens are, are much smaller than we've seen the uh, the past couple weeks in Hawaii. So, you know, there, there will be, I think, more of a premium placed on on the approach game and off the tee game hitting fairways um but if you look at at the key stats for here i I think we're looking at at ball striking specifically we want strokes gained off the tee i don't think distance or accuracy uh, matters too much more one or the other uh you want to look at strokes gained an approach just a a complete ball striking look Uh, we want to have guys that are uh, making a ton of birdies, like you mentioned, so birdie or better percentage, uh, we we want to be looking at as well. And then I think we want to take par five scoring into account, since I that, you know I think you can score all through this golf course, but if you're not scoring at the par fives, especially on your one round at the Nicholas course, you're giving up strokes to the field, and we want to make sure the guys we pick aren't giving up strokes to the field on the easiest holes to play. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, well, with that said, let's uh, let's get into it. Um, we have. Uh, so the big news is that John Rahm, who would have been the most expensive golfer so the second week in a row this has happened, is uh, is withdrawn. Um, so now we only have three, four guys, uh, 10,000 and up. Um, that'll be Reed, Finau, Kepka, and Cantley. So it's definitely different than last weekend. Definitely more dispersion among the top as well. Uh, $300 between each of them. Um, so where, where are you going to draw your stake in the ground? There's two guys that I'm pretty interested in here, uh, one in particular, but um, where, where do you think you're going to start? Yeah, I think if, if we're talking about the top guys, I, I just think Patrick Cantley is the way to go right now. I think his game's in the best shape of any of these top guys. 
I don't know what to make of Brooks right now. I mean, he's coming off a layoff, so hopefully he's he's a little healthier. And I think he tends to play better at these be- the beginnings of his sort of returns from from island living with Jenna. Um, so I don't I don't know what to make of Brooks, but but I'll be keeping an eye on him. You know, Tony Finau's fine. He hasn't been in the best form. He he's only got one top ten in his last. You know, five starts, and if if you're putting Tony Finau on your roster, you well this week you need him to finish probably top three or four. But you know, you're you're definitely looking for that that top ten and that safety. But he he just hasn't really been that recently. Um, Patrick Reed is the other guy of the real real expensive guys, or the you know the five figure guys that kind of interests me. Um, coming off a week off the tournament of champions. I think this is a course that turns into a birdie fest, and as you pointed out, uh, I think before the podcast, he's number one in the field in birdie or better percentage. It's just a, a matter of whether or not he can kind of avoid his mistakes. Um, so he's probably my second favorite play out of this, but I think if I'm going to put a stake in the ground of of any of these you know, most expensive guys, I'm, I'm going to go with Cantlay. I just like the position his game's in, his price isn't so outrageous that you can't you know, maybe spend for another, um, you know, mid nine thousands, high eight thousands kind of guy if you like someone else there and and still find value in your roster down at the bottom. Yeah, um, I think it's kind of unfortunate that Ron wasn't going to play because again, you know, it creates some more dispersion at the top in terms of ownership. Um, I think Cantlay's definitely going to garner a lot of the percentage. Um, uh, I like Reed too as opposed to Finau, but I think I think what we're going to see here is that. Um, I, I, if I had to guess in terms of ownership, I think it would Cantley, Fino, Reed, Kepka. But I think Fino and Reed will be pretty close together, and then and then you'll have Kepka third. And I don't really have a problem with playing Kepka here either. Um, you know, he's not losing strokes anywhere. He definitely is in a much better position than he was last year. But uh, but I, I, I'm not sold that um, he's. I mean, he's a fifth and a seventh. Uh, you know, at the Masters and at Houston, and then missed the cut at the Mayakoba. Uh, you know, but he's not playing immensely better than either Finau or Reed. So um, I, I just don't see any reason to to do that, other than just you're, you're just being a pivot. Um, but again, I, me personally, I I like the nine thousand range a lot more, um, and I have my guy in the nine thousand range that I want to play. So. I'm kind of more focused on, I guess, like putting him in a lineup and then building around him as opposed to like kind of starting at the top and working my way down, which is typically how how I do it. But this week, I, I feel like I'll be constructing my lineup a little different. Yeah, I mean, I think all the way down to, since we're talking about, you know, kind of win equity, I guess, and who you want to build your roster around, I think all the way down, if you want to have this like upper level conversation, you go all the way down to Scheffler if you want to talk like, equal win equity. I think maybe Cantley has the most. And then I think once you, you know, going from Kepka down to Scheffler, even though Scheffler's never won, he's obviously super talented third here, you know, last year. I think all those guys from Kepka down to Scheffler have relatively similar win equity. And if you look at the, the initial numbers the books put out after Rom, you know, announced he wasn't playing in the tournament, I, I think you see sort of a, a similar feel from the books that all these guys uh, have, have, relatively you know similar chances to win the tournament so i think 
you know, if there's a guy in the nine thousands you want to target and build your roster around, uh, there's there's no problem with that. Uh, you know, we're a little bit questionable on Sungjae this week, but I think you know Wolf and Scheffler both have just as good an opportunity to win this tournament as, as anybody, but can't lay probably. Yep. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it's not like I mean Cantlay is obviously very good, and um, I'm glad we've he, settled on that. <laughs> and he, but he just. I mean, he has one ninth place finish. He has one start here. It's not like he's. This is not like Webb Simpson at Wyndham or something like that. You know. Yeah, of course. Like, I, I'm not sure that I guess I guess I'm not really sold that Cantley's win equity is like all that much higher than anyone else. Uh, it, it, I don't think his win equity is all that much higher than either Brooks or uh, Reed. I don't think but it's. I, do ins- think- I don't. I don't think it's insanely higher. This isn't like you know DJ coming into the Masters at like eight to one or ten to one or whatever, right? This isn't that kind of win equity. I think that he's taking up, but I think he's like. 15, 16 to 1, where I wouldn't list anybody else in this tournament at better than 20 to 1, I guess is, is how I would put it. Uh-huh. Right? Nope. Nobody has incredibly short odds to win this. I just think he's he's the best of the bunch. No. Uh, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I agree with that. He definitely is the best of this bunch. And I think he's definitely, he definitely has the highest like median score. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, but um, I don't know. I, I, I'm still personally, I'm leaning towards Patrick Reed, but I am interested to see where ownership goes. Although I don't suspect it will, it'll be anything wonky, and so it won't really drive my decision. But I, I but think I all I think all of the top four most expensive guys, and probably Sung Jay, and uh, and I think Wolf and Scheffler too, for that matter, all end up fifteen percent and above owned, and that's more a uh, factor of ROM coming out of the tournament, and there's just going to be a lot more ownership to go around at the top. Yep. Um, in the 9,000 range, you mentioned half the field, Sungjae, Wolf, <laughs> Scheffler, and then we have Fowler, Na, Answer, and Hinley to round that out. Um, you know, my favorite play, and I, and I love it for two reasons. One, that, that he's playing great golf, and two, he has terrible course history here, so I don't think people will play him as Russell Henley. Um, you know, he was awesome Last weekend, let me pull up the stats. I, I had it up, but my uh, thing's going to walk in. He gained 1.07 strokes per round on approach, gained strokes across the field uh, in all other categories, um, and as well as uh, is doing pretty well in birdie or better percentage. Uh, he's not crushing it, but he's doing uh, he's still in, uh, definitely in the uh, above average um, in terms of uh, he's at 24.44, so that's that's good for probably like 25th or something like that. So uh, I, I love how he's playing. I think he can definitely do very well on this course. I do not understand. I mean, he's a much better golfer than he was uh, during any of these tournaments, but I don't. I, I just don't understand how he has three straight missed cuts here. So, but that that's my that is my favorite play, and he, he will be the staple of my lineups. Yeah, I think there are a lot of different ways to go in the nine thousand range that I that I really like. I think I'm considering starting rosters with Scotty Scheffler instead of Patrick Cantley, but those are my two I'm waffling back and forth on. Is Scheffler finished third year last year? I think you know, sky's the limit for him and he's he's gonna win a golf tournament at some point. I know we say this about a lot of guys, but I think it's probably, you know, truer for him than it is, you know, Cam Davis, Sam Burns. 
Doc Redman, these other guys we think are going to win a tournament. He's obviously a level above them. And I think, you know, with with flat win equity at the top, I think this in a in a course where ball striking and um, low scoring and par fives are to be taken advantage of, I think that has Scotty Scheffler's name written all over it. So the more I talk about it, the more I am talking myself into to Scotty Scheffler being the top of my rosters. I I'm also interested in Matt Wolf. I, I will say that I, I think he's a this this is the type of course where he can go low. You know, and, and this is the point in time where he was struggling last year, and he still made the cut here, which is something he wasn't doing a ton at this point last season before he kind of you know figured it figured something out. I I don't know what he did, but he he you know, obviously finished the season on a tear. So uh, I also I, I do think Matt Wolf's interesting. He's he's coming off of some poor performances recently. Missed cut of the Masters. T.J. Zozo wasn't good. People might see a 61st here last year and and fall off of him, but I'd wait to see where projected ownership is. Um, Kevin Na, you know, he's got, he got, he got win pricing. Um, he has decent course history here. Uh, you know, generally, generally makes cuts here. So maybe, maybe Kevin Na is interesting, uh, to, to some people. I'm, I'm just going to assume that Kevin Na really rarely does it two weeks in a row. So I'm going to assume he does not do it two weeks in a row here. He probably finishes like 30th, 40th. Um, Henley is an interesting pick. I, I guess I we're kind of back on the point. Maybe we're on that Zozo CJ Cup run where you know he was just a, an otherworldly ball striker, and we're back on that. So I could, I could see Russell Henley being a good play, and I could see him being a little bit lower owned because of what you said. You know, people are going to look at this course history and maybe steer clear. That's a lot of red there. Uh, and then the two other guys that I'm kind of interested in this range are Abe Answer. I think this is a you know short par seventy two finished second here last year. I think you know Abe can take advantage of it um, if if he fixes whatever was going on with this game last week. And then I'm extremely interested in Ricky Fowler. I think he might end up lower owned than he should be. Uh, you know we haven't seen him since the Masters. He missed the cut there. He finished tenth here last year, but he was the thirty six hole leader, and it was kind of like <laughs> I, I guess the one good tournament. Um, Ricky didn't miss the cut of the Masters. He missed it in Mayakoba. But it was the one good tournament that uh, that he had last year where he, where he kind of popped in it. So I maybe Scheffler-Fowler is where I start my lineups, try and differentiate a little bit. I don't I, I don't know, though. But I, I definitely think Fowler is interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is definitely the type of course that seems like he would do well on. I mean, he seems to like these California, this California swing. Um, and he always is playing well. Um, you know, and when it comes to like the waste management, and then you know, seems to seems to be prepared for the Masters every year. So uh, I think it's definitely a contrarian play, and for that reason alone, I can't. If he pops, you will probably win a lot of money, and I like those types of plays, particularly when you know that he can pop. Um, but like you said, he's just he's not he's not playing great, and he hasn't played great you know, for a while. And when he does play well, it's always just kind of random. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I think he's definitely overpriced. <laughs> there's oh, there, no yeah, there's no doubt that. about that. Uh, you're, so, you're paying a premium for Ricky Fowler this week in DraftKings. There's no doubt about that. I wouldn't be shocked if he's like 7 or 8% owned, though. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm looking for. And, and if he's 7 or 8% owned at 9,300... Then, I, then I think you know a, a, a top fifteen finish is 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 pretty good. 
uh, if you can if you can find you know somebody to win it somewhere else for you. I definitely like it answers well. Um, I think I'm not all that concerned about last week. He missed the cut on on the number, right? I think he was minus three. Yeah, he might have been. So that that doesn't concern me so much. Um, you know, his approach play has I don't know it hasn't been all that great, but he is making it up everywhere else, and and you suspect that his his approach play will turn around. Um, uh, I, I think. I, I don't know. I, I, like, I do like this range. Not saying I don't. I mean, I, I think this is kind of like these, well, these. The decision you make here, I think, is kind of like where where you'll win, win or lose the tournament. But what's up? Well, I was gonna say, considering that, I think I'm gonna start my lineup with Scheffler. I like this range. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Or you know, I'm gonna start it with Scheffler and dip down to the high eight thousands. But I also might play someone in like you know. Fowler, answer Henley is my second guy. So I, I think I like this range quite a bit. I, I do think there's one equity here. Yeah. Um, I think the one, um, if I had to rank them, I think I would go Henley, Sungjae, Scheffler, answer Wolf, not Fowler. I think Fowler's the guy I like the least. Okay. Yeah, I, I think those are those are fair rankings based on recent performance. And then dipping into the eight thousand, the eight thousand range. I feel like normally I, I like the eight thousand range in kind of these types of tournaments, but I, I have no feel for the eight thousand range. There are two guys that I will probably the only two guys that I'll play in this range, uh, but it's not less of. Don't don't take my word on this one. Um, but with, it starts with Cam Champ at 8,900, all the way down to Ryan Moore, who hasn't played a tournament all year, uh, at 8,000. Um, we have guys like Adam Hadwin, who have just impeccable course history, but really not playing great. Um, we have up-and-comers like Lanto, who's his second week at, uh, you know, in this 8,000 range, and it seems like he earned his price last weekend and is playing pretty good golf. Uh, Paul, we haven't seen Paul Casey in a while, or Phil, um, or Cousin Burns for that matter. Uh, but uh, this is a very weird, uh, it's just a very weird range. And I, um, what are your thoughts on this? That it's a very weird range. I, I don't know you know, much what else to say about it. I, I only like a couple of guys here. Um, you know, I'm not interested in Champ. Or Phil Mickelson, I know, I know, Cam's talented as as anyone in the world off the tee, but the rest of his game's just been pitiful so far this year. Phil is Phil. I'm just, why would I ever pay 8,800 for Phil at this point in his career? Even if it is a place he had a second place finish at two years ago, I'm I'm just not interested in that at all. Paul Casey interests me quite a bit. You know, he's, you know, you, you look at his stats from last year when we discussed Paul Casey. The ball striking numbers are similar, but this year the the putting is is tour average. The strokes gained around the green are tour average, which is not something you could say last year. Uh, so Paul Casey kind of interests me a little bit because I, you know, he's still the thirty some best player. I think he's maybe he's ranked twenty seventh in the world. I don't know. He's ranked ranked pretty high still, um, and so I think you were getting him at a weirdly discounted rate. Like there's no reason that Paul Casey should be priced below Chant Mickelson. 
you know, Fowler, for sure, of the guys that are priced ahead of him, right? Um, Lonto Griffin played well last week outside of, you know, he couldn't get a putt to fall basically on Sunday, I think. I don't think it was the whole weekend, but I just think Sunday he was he was kind of right there. Uh, Adam Long, haven't seen him for a while, but his last, tw- he, you know, before the, the year end at Mayakobi, finished third. He won here two years ago, so I could see going that direction. Um, you know, like I said, Kazire's on a roll. Uh, the other guy that really interests me and I, I like here besides Paul Casey is is Sam Burns. I think, I, I know we haven't seen him since Houston, but he has two top 20 finishes here. I think he's an incredibly talented golfer. You know, in, in four tournaments since, you know, this start of the season, he's got two seventh place finishes. And so I, I think Sam Burns' game uh, is is obviously really, really good. Um, and I, and I think we're at a course that he can really take advantage of as a, as a guy that is accurate and long off the tee and, and can putt the crap out of the ball. It's kind of like a, a, a Bryson light, I guess, in, in that sort of manner. Um, Siwoo Kim doesn't interest me too much. Brian Harmon, I don't really know what to make of his like equity as far as, you know, how, how low he can go for you. Is he worth $8,000? Can he finish in the top 30? I, I don't know that right now, and his game hasn't looked like he can, so maybe I'm not as interested in Brian Arman. And then I think the guy that is the most interesting in this range, who you mentioned, is, is Adam Hadwin. Three straight missed cuts, but second, third, second here is his last three trips. And so you, you kind of got to look at that and go, well, maybe I play it, uh, and, and hope that the guy that showed up at this at, at, the three courses uh, can still perform like this when they pair it down to two this year. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm with you on Cousin Burns. I think Cousin Burns is easily my favorite play in this range. Um, Lanto piques my interest. I just, I do have concerns about his upside. Um, the, uh, and I know that you said you were out on him, but I, I kind of do like Kami Champ here. Finished 21st last year. Um, I'm not sure that he has win equity per se, but I do think he has as high as upside as anyone in this range. And the only thing that he's not doing well right now is putting. And so as, if he could just putt average for a weekend, uh, and I don't, like, I know he's, like, losing a ton of strokes putting. I just don't think he's that bad of a putter. And so I think if he can revert back to where he was whenever he was uh, in the middle of the uh, PGA, you know, when, when he finished top 10 of the PGA last year, when he was in that stretch of golf, then he's going to have every opportunity to win this tournament. Yeah, I, I mean, I, obviously Cam Champ has a ton, a ton, a ton of talent. I just haven't seen it come from him consistently enough recently to, to really trust him, unfortunately. Um so yeah, I mean, I, if if you want to play Gamey Champ, go go that direction. I, I I definitely think his his game off the tee is gonna gonna help him out and give him a huge advantage on the field this week. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I definitely think that'll be the case. So I, I may end up playing him. Um, let's see, hold on, let me sort these by date. Yeah, so he gained strokes at the Zozo putting, um, but then has basically has he has missed he has been awful at putting. He's lost two strokes or more in every other tournament of his last seven, except for the Zozo. That's bad. And it was his worst stretch ever. He's never lost that many, that consecutively. So, I'm going to bank on the fact that I think that he will turn it around. And that's just, that's just a field play. That's your, that's your slaughter field play for the week. 
So I, I'm considering him as a part of my lineups. I've not made that decision as, or as part of my core, uh, but I'm definitely considering it, and he will, will certainly be a pivot from Henley uh, for me. Um, moving down to the 7,000 range, a lot of guys to like here. Uh, we get to start with uh, Frederick slash Eric Van Royen, um, all the way down to uh, Frankie, Frankie Hockey 6, uh, Frankie Molinari uh, at 7,000. Um, I know you like Molinari, so I'll let you uh, talk about that, or at least he piques your interest. But um, my my favorite guys here, uh, I like Cam Davis. You talked a little bit about him. You've been high on him. Um, you know, he's kind of like, uh, to me, he's kind of Cam Champ light at this point um, in, uh, in terms of his talent. Uh, we got Doc Redmond at 7,500. We haven't seen him play golf in a while. Um, and the last time he did, he missed the cut. But uh, definitely a top, what, five ball striker in this field uh, pretty easily. Seb Straka is my ultimate favorite play in this range. I talked about him at the top of the podcast. Uh, he's just doing everything well right now. And I think he's playing the best golf of his career. And he finished fourth year last year. So I'm I thoroughly enjoy what Strepsok is bringing to the table, and he is definitely going to make my uh, uh, my stable of players uh, for sure. So uh, that's that's how I feel about this range. Uh, the other person that kind of interests me doesn't have great uh, course history here is Tringali. Yeah, I was actually looking at Tringali. I find him, you know, I, I find him interesting as well. He he obviously brings a a high level iron game. Uh, you know, you don't ever really know what you're going to get off the tee from him on any given week because he's kind of short and kind of inaccurate. But when he puts that together, the rest of his game is usually pretty solid. So Tringali definitely interests me this week. He scores on par fives really, really well. And I think that's something we're going to have to take advantage of this week. So so Tringali is a good look. Uh, I feel similarly to you about Sepp Straka. I think, you know, this is like a hot streak uh, for the man right now. I wonder, given that his price didn't go up that high, what we're going to see is ownership. Because I've seen like other Sepp Straka runs, his ownership get up to like 15 16%. Um, in that case, maybe we want to differentiate ourselves from the field there, but but maybe not. But so right now, Sepp's you know, definitely in, in the, the core that I'm, I'm looking at right now. The top of this list doesn't really interest me until you get to Cam Davis. I, I just, I think the kid's super talented. Uh, he has two top 30 finishes here. Uh, and his price went up after you know only a 31st place finish here, but I I think his ceiling is high. You know he could very easily go out and finish top five in this tournament this week. I think his game fits what the course is looking for. Guy, I want to say Gary Woodland's interesting, but he's not. Uh, someone like someone like Aaron Wise might be interesting. You know, last time we saw him, he finished finished second at Mayakoba before the end of the uh, of 2020, uh, and and you know I I thought. His iron game was on point. I thought he had a couple of bad putts or and chips coming down the stretch, but outside of that, he was right in that tournament. Um, Redmond and Damon are, you know, they're kind of just like the same guy uh, down here. Very, very good ball strikers. I would say that that Damon's short game is a little bit better than Doc's, and Doc's putting is a little bit better than than Damon's, and you know, Doc's ball striking is definitely better than than uh, than Joel's and. I think you kind of just got to pick which one you want to go with there. If you if you like this range and 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 see uh-huh. what you're working with, um, 
you know, as far as course fit and stuff, maybe it's a comes down to who scores better on par fives or birdie better percentage or, or whatever. But um, I think I think the thing turning me off from Doc this week is I think he's kind of a DFS darling now, and everybody's going to be excited to play Doc Redman this week, and his ownership might might get pretty high. Um, I, I definitely so- think ownership will be will, will be very interesting in this. Yeah, this. yeah. I agree with you there. Um, and then the the other two guys that I I find interesting in this this space are Russell Knox. You know, his, he he missed the cut, but his iron game was good last week. His short game was just um, you know subpar, uh, but it, you know has has a level of comfort here. Uh, you know, four top what top forty or three top forty finishes here in his last three years. And then I I'm kind of changing. Uh, a strategy down at the bottom and I, I think that's why i like molinari i want guys that i know are talented enough to have done things at the highest level and are maybe just not playing that well right now and the last time we saw molinari in a field like this was houston and he finished 15th so i don't know i i guess i'm just paying for for the talent uh that i think is there relative to the rest of the field and i think his problem is that he's a little bit shorter and i don't think that hurts him here this week uh yep uh i don't agree with that but you know i uh, i guess i he hasn't shown that he has the ability to compete at the highest of levels in over three or four years now so i just um i'm not sure i'm not Uh, asking him to compete at the highest of levels though i'm asking him to compete with nick taylor and rory sabatini and brendan grace and go out and beat those guys right yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not. I mean, Boris Sabatini has most undoubtedly been better than him over the last three or four years. I'm looking this up now in the head-to-head matchup tool. I'll get back to you on that. Okay. Uh, but like, yeah, like is Frankie Molinari better than Hudson Swafford? Yeah, for sure. Um, or like Michael Thompson, or like any of these like random guys who have like won a tournament. Yeah. I, I can probably agree with that, but uh, but I don't know. Um, and then the the six thousand range dipping in here. There's basically two guys that I have my eye on, and no more than that uh, for me anyway. I have three guys, I'll say. But I'll let you talk about one of them because you were kind of like uh, you kind of like them. Um, and that is uh, Denny McCarthy, who's back in action after a long layoff, missed his last two cuts. Prior to the close of 2020, however, uh, we saw that what his ball striking was at. Um, I think this. I'm honestly, I'm kind of at the point where I may be wait and see with him just to to see where his ball striking's at because he had just made such a leap in that, and I'm not sure if that was sustainable. Um, at the very least, you know that you're going to get the putting from McCarthy, and you know that you're going to get solid driving, accurate driving. So um, he's definitely going to put him in, himself in positions to do well. It's just about whether the, the ball striking is there. I'm on the fence about it. I'm not sure. And then I talked about him at the top of the uh, top of the podcast. Uh, I like Robbie Shelton this week. Uh, he, you know, he was excellent across the field last weekend. Uh, I'm going to ride that heater into this one. Uh, and I think he has decent course history here. I can't remember exactly, but. Uh, let me scroll down. Robbie Shelton. Yeah, he has some de- decent course history. No, he doesn't have any course history. He's missed the whole, only cut that he's played here. 
nonetheless, um, I, I have confidence that Robbie Shelton is going to put it together this weekend. So I think if I dip into this range, he will be where I go. Yeah, I, I'm interested. We'll get back first. I'll. You're right. Last three to four years, Ray Sabatini was is a minus one sixteen favorite over Frankie Molinari in a head to head matchup over four rounds. Uh, so I will I'll concede that point to you, and uh, I'm sorry and humbly apologize, and I hope you can forgive me. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll get to I'll let you roommate on that, and you can decide later if you want to forgive me or not. Uh, we'll get to we'll get to Denny McCarthy. Uh, yeah, he was he was on a, an insane run for a while there. It looked like his ball striking had turned around, his off the tee game had turned around, and you know over the last what like three tournaments he's played in, where we're kind of back to. The same old like. All I can do is putt, Denny McCarthy. So it'll be interesting to see with with the break if he's you know kind of turned it around for himself. Um, I guess I'm finally hopping off the Doug Gim train. Maybe this is maybe we're supposed to hop back on now. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I I think I'll probably just leave him be there. Uh, then you get to the other guys in the 6800 range, which is where I think you know some really interesting things happen. You know, Henrik Norlander was five under after one last week and looked really good before things kind of fell apart for him. Excuse me. So I, I don't know what to make of him this week. Um, I think I might wait one more week for, for Henrik Norlander. Uh, and I think this is the week we hop back on the Pat Perez train. Uh, it was positive with his irons over four rounds. Positive, like incredibly positive with the putter last week. Uh, which is kind of like the Pat Perez recipe for success uh, to a 32nd place finish. So I, I think this is the week we kind of hop back on him and, and and see where we go there. The other guys I'm kind of interested down here, Chesson Hadley. Um, I haven't seen him since Mayakoba, but he finished you know top 30 here last year, two tournaments before Mayakoba, uh, finished 16th and 23rd. So you know, this is a ball strikers kind of week, and and that's where we look for Chesson Hadley when he's when he's priced down this low, or at least where I do. Uh, and then there are two talent plays that are super cheap down here, especially if you're going with you know Cantley at the top of your roster. You might want to look to this space. Uh, these are kind of more sh- shots in the dark than they are, I think, great plays. But I think you have to do that sometimes. Um, two guys that I think are. Supremely interesting coming into this week. Uh, Akshay Badia, 6,500. I think he's got a lot of talent. Um, you know, only 18 years old. He missed a cut here last year, but he made the cut at Mayakoba. Had a top 10 or top 15 at Safeway to start this season. As so I think, you know, he's he's worth a look uh, any any tournament he plays in because you never know he's going to pop. Um, and and I just think you know. Uh, of course, where you know his his kind of his strength is off the tee. I think this is a in his length off the tee. I think this is a, a tournament to give him a chance if he needs some help down here. And then in a similarish vein, uh, Christopher Ventura was on a roll to start the season with Safeway, um, still gaining strokes off the tee and putting, but his ball striking you know with the irons has been basically abysmal or non-existent recently. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just think, you know, this is a guy I think has a lot of talent. And so I think is is worth a look if you need to come down here into the bottom of your rosters because he could potentially make a cut this week given the way the, the two courses play. Yep. Um, I, I mean, obviously I like Ventura. Uh, 
you know, we historically have liked him, and uh, it's certainly a shot in the dark there uh, with some of the other guys. But like you said, you know, um, these are guys, you got to pick guys that um, I kind of like going with the guys that can give you, that give you the upside as opposed to someone that's kind of a cut maker because, uh, well, one, you're trying to win the damn thing. But two, it 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 just seems like you're those guys are, are it's counterintuitive. I think those guys are more likely to pop and to be safer. Like some like for instance, like not quite the same thing, but like you know, you talked about um Norlander, you know, going five under and then missing a the cut or Russell Knox is the same thing. It's like those types of guys you just uh they just it's tough it's it's always a struggle for, for them to put together consistent rounds. Whereas the guys right. that have the talent it's not a struggle of them putting together the rounds. It's it's about them just finding their talent. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I guess, yeah, that makes sense. So that's what, um, that's what it is for me out on the golf course, right? I I have the talent. It's just a struggle for me to find it sometimes. Sometimes I leave it at home, and and bad things happen. But sometimes I bring it with me. Not. Really. <laughs> um. There, there was one person that I that I actually did want to mention the seventy two hundred or the seven thousand range uh, that I forgot to mention, and that was um, Kevin Stroman. I feel like he like always tends to pop in these types of tournaments. Um, and uh, I don't know what his course history is here. Not it's terrible. Spotted, two missed cuts, yeah. two missed cuts, two three top thirty five cut, you know, including a top, uh, including an eleventh place. So yeah, and he's got. Three pretty decent tournaments and one miscut uh, in his last five. So I, I, you know, he always tends to do well in these kind of like pretty pretty fest uh, at the short courses. So I, another, um, what's that? Yeah, I was gonna say he's another guy that did really well at the Safeway. Yeah. Um, and so if that's like our barometer, then I he does pique my interest a little bit. I, I don't know if that's actually our barometer, but I, I everybody I feel like I've talked about did well at Safeway, so I'm pretending like it's a barometer to make myself <laughs> feel better. Uh, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, so uh, let's go on to the betting market here. Honestly, I have not looked at these like in uh, in any sort of intense fashion. Um, I mean, I, I think if Cantley, I I know once Rom left, he opened at like sixteen to one. If he's still around there, I I don't hate that play. Uh, I I do I do think he has the highest win equity, and to get somebody with that sort of uh, equity yeah. at, at well, he's he's fourteen to one now, which I don't like as much. Actually, Reed on Bookmaker is bet down to thirteen and a half to one, which is better. Um. And then, wow, Scotty Shuffler's down at 15 and a half to one here, so I guess I'm not placing it outright on Scotty. That's a little too low for my blood. Henley's 37 here. That's uh, that's pretty good. Don't hate that. I like Paul Casey at 55 a lot. That That's actually, I, I might live there. He's definitely not that. He's 40 to one in, on, uh, on Bovada. Um... Cam Davis, Sepp Straka, sixty-five and sixty-two to one. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's that's about that's about right. What do you have? Um, cousin, what do you have? Cousin Burns at uh, fifty to one. Okay, they got forty to one. He's been bet down to here. So yeah, well, we both like Cousin Burns. So the fifty to one, I think, is a play that's uh, definitely pretty good. Uh, oh, or definitely one that I'll be making. 
Doc Redman, 92 to 1. I know I said I wasn't a huge Doc Redman guy this week, which is the first time in a long time, but 92 to 1, I might play that a little bit. Yeah, you know, Doc Redman's prettier, better percentages is, is a bit disappointing. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I just feel like his win equity isn't quite there, which is kind of, which is kind of keeping me off of him. Uh, you know, for for being in my lineup, but I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I think he he needs to to show me a little something before I'm willing to go there. Yeah, nine two to one, though. Nine two to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I feel like Doc's gonna win a tournament that's like a. 13, 14, 15 under sort of score before he wins something that gets up to like 26 under. That's just, I mean, his putter, his putter just holds him back. Chris Venture at 200 to 1. I, I, I love me a good long shot, but I don't know about that one. Do they, and does Bookmaker have any uh, top 10s or anything like that? No, no we don't that. have any of that listed yet. We just have, also have uh, the uh, Abu Dhabi Championship listed as well okay what's rory in that rory rory is five to one five point one to one and and jt is five and a half to one wow that's that's, and then and then then hatton is 14 to one fitzpatrick and fleetwood are 16 to one and then you have to get up to like justin rose is 35 to one which is insane that that is insane um as far as here, the place that I do like, um, top tens and, and whatnot, Seb Straka, six and a half to one for a top oh, ten. Yeah, that's really good. Um, even Lanto at four and a half to one, I, I think I like quite a bit for a top ten. Um, that's that's pretty damn low. Adam had one four and a half to one as well. Hmm. That's interesting. I feel like Hadwin's priced in DraftKings and in the betting market after hearing that number based solely off of course history history, because he's been abysmal recently yep uh and then top 20s uh Patrick Cantlay minus 165 for top 20 I like that oh yeah that I mean yeah you could probably put the house on that (laughs) what's your how how much can you get how much uh how much equity do you have in the house I would just put it all on that not much, not much. <laughs> that's, that's that's too bad. Could be a big payday for you. But I would have double the equity after almost. So, um, yeah, there's uh, definitely Doc Remins plus three three to one for a uh, for a top twenty. Oh, uh, that I that I like. That makes more sense to me. I, I would definitely be more behind that. Same with Sepstraka, also three to one. Um, Interesting. There's some. Let's see if they have any uh, hit or miss. Whether they have matchups. Oh, they do. Oh, I like this. Steph Straka is minus 120 over JT Poston. Yeah, I like that. That that, that one's good. Answers minus 130 over Kevin Na. Okay, interesting. I th- I mean, I would play that. It's it's definitely an interesting price right now, though. Uh, Cousin Burns minus 125 over Harmon. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like this one actually. Brendan Steele plus one hundred five over Keegan Bradley. That's like the Spider Man meme where they're pointing at each other because they're the same person. 
Wait, wait, why? Is Brendan still that bad of a putter? Oh, he's an awful putter. The only times yeah. he competes is when he like when the putter gets hot, like it did last week, and then it just let him down. And Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brendan Steele's a really good ball striker. He's just a really bad putter and has a bad short game. Probably not as I bad guess, as Keegan, but yeah, I, I guess I just didn't. To me, he didn't strike me as being all like god awful at putting, but uh, I have to look it up. Um, ooh, Doc Redmond versus John Huzz minus one twenty five. Okay. okay. Ooh, if you if if you want to get spicy, you can get Frankie Frankie two sticks over. Uh, uh, over Eric Frederick Van Royen, uh, minus 180, or Frankie's plus 140. I'm in. <laughs> if that matchup pops, if that if I can get that matchup, I will, uh, I'll take that actually. I, I, I don't know. Eric Van Royen's, you know, boomer bust, right? He's going to, yeah. he's going to finish top 20 or miss the cut. So I think you get, I think there's actual value in that line. So this is this is probably the most interesting one to me, um, is that Lanto is minus one fifty over Phil. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean, that's I, really that, I mean, I just, I, I, yeah, I think, I think that's a good play. And here's another one for value wise: Matthew Wolf is plus one fifteen over Sungjae. Oh, interesting. I don't know what side of that I'm on. I kind of like the wolf part. I mean, Sungjae would be minus 150. Oh, minus 150? Yeah. I mean, wolf's definitely the, the side to play if you're going to play a side then, but I'd, yeah, probably, yeah, yeah. I'd probably just set that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, it, that was inter- it was interesting that it was like that. They're like, you know, right next to each other in the uh, in the DraftKings market, but to be so far apart in the betting market. I could see them both making the cut and finishing like you. You have to like sweat out two guys that are gonna finish at like twelve thirty p.m. Right, and they're gonna they're like they're like finishing fifty first and fifty second or something like that, and then a grouping together. Okay, and uh, so which brings me to, uh, I guess we can call this story time or something because I have it's not as dumb as as last weekend's uh, extravaganza with. Uh, like Northern Iowa and whatever, and the clock not starting to for the cover, yeah, 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 or whatever. But <laughs> but I had um, oh god, who was it? Who did it? Who? Oh, Brendan Tide over Lanto, and Lanto like bogeys seventeen, and Todd birdies fifteen. I want to say, and so Todd's minus thirteen. And Lanto is minus eleven. Lanto only pars the par five. And I'm like, okay, this is good. I'm feeling good. And then freaking Todd goes and bogeys the next two holes and also doesn't birdie par five. And so they I got a push. And I thought that was really stupid. That is very stupid. I'm I'm sorry you had to experience that. Which only just makes me like Brendan Todd less because I didn't like him to begin with. But I, I I went with your gut, and then it brought me pain. <laughs> my, I mean, well, we can blame everything on my gut. I think that's fair. Uh, all right, let's let let's let's uh, finish our our picks off here. So, who is your baby draw this week? Who is who do you think is going to give you an advantage on the field? That's going to go a little bit lower owned. Russell Henley. Well, you think he's okay? Interesting. I think he's going to be like fifteen, sixteen percent projected, maybe twenty. 
I don't know if I'm right though. Mine's mine's Ricky Fowler. I've decided. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. <laughs> like Ricky's like your Mickelson. <laughs> Ricky's like your. Yeah, yeah R- Ricky. Ricky might also be my fade. Maybe I'll just make it a a, a clean sweep <laughs> for Ricky. Uh, I'm gonna tell you guys. That, I'm gonna tell everybody that listens to the podcast that they should be fading Ricky Fowler because that's the correct play. But I'm gonna play him. Yeah. This is a good really? way to get an advantage on the market. Uh, yeah, so we'll get, we can go ahead and do the Mickelson play. Uh, Ricky Fowler. <laughs> oh, man. Um, I feel like I will probably have more invested than I should in Sam Burns. Okay, that's fair. Uh, and then who's your, who's your fade this week? I mean, it's it's definitely Phil, but that's obvious. Um, I I will fade. I'm gonna fade Adam Hadwin. Oh, okay. All right. Interesting. Yeah, Phil's obvious. Don't pay eighty eight hundred dollars for Phil. That's just if Phil was like seventy four hundred, I'd be I'd be pretty interested because you got fair course history here. All right. Fun fun fact. Uh, the scramble tournament I played on uh, Saturday. Uh, we played with a, a, a husband and his wife, and she had just picked up golf like a year and a half ago, and she loves watching Phil Mickelson tip videos on YouTube or wherever. And every now and then she'd go, she'd go, Lefty said this, or Lefty said that, or I hit that one just like Lefty, and it was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> it was that that is fantastic. It was so good. Brian, God, what a man. He was on his second wife. <laughs> and he was just—he was just excited that she liked to golf with him, and he got her lessons, and she she really likes it. And uh, God, what it was actually just a really pleasurable experience playing eighteen holes of a scramble tournament with with them. It was it was pretty fun. But yeah, Lefty said we should do this. Lefty said I should do that. It was awesome. Anyways, uh, my my actual fade for the for the week is is Tony Finau. I just think when he gets priced this high, he needs to have higher win equity than what I actually think he does in a tournament like this. And, and you know, he's, he's got to finish second, third, fourth, fifth to pay off his price. And, and I just don't see that from Tony Finau right now. That's right. I guess that's right. Well, let's, uh, let's go on the record. Who's your, who's your winner this week? Ooh, um, Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say Sam Burns gets it done this week. A long layoff. Ooh. I think he's got the. I think he's got. I think Sam Burns is gonna get it done this week. Sam Burns hasn't won yet, right? No, this is gonna be his. This is be his inaugural victory. Hell of a tournament to win. I'm. Uh, I'll, I'll go. I'll go out on a limb this week. Whatever. We already played him in our one and done, so we can't pick him now. So. Yeah. Well. I mean, and Patrick Reed. We've already played Reed too. This did absolutely nothing for us this week. Well, we're playing Ricky Fowler in the one and done, right? Don't tempt me. <laughs> I'll send his name. I'll send. I'll submit his name so fast. You'll be. You'll be like Ricky. Ricky Fowler alternate. Ricky Fowler. <laughs> Fade. Ricky Fowler. Oh man. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, do we have anything else for the uh, for the folks? No, I think that's how we're going to close out this week's edition of the Ricky Fowler podcast. See you later, folks. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you next week. Well, I know you want it when
Thanks for tuning into the In the Bag podcast. If you want to interact with the show, you can find us on Twitter at In the Bagcast, Slaughter at Slaughter, and myself at James Paul Four. You can also leave comments, rate, subscribe, whatever you'd like, wherever you get your podcast, you can find us there. Good luck to all of you this week, and we hope you'll tune in again next week to make sure you have the right clubs and the bag. Thanks again. Stay safe.